Hello my friends, greetings to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. This is Pastor Christopher Alam and we are on the subject of the call of God. And yesterday we talked about uh, God calling Joshua and God calling Samson. And today our study continues with the story of Gideon, how God called Gideon. And uh, you know, each one of these um, men we have talked about, how God called them. He called them out of different circumstances, out of different situations. God said different things to them, but it was the same God who called them. So this is just to give you an idea that the ways in which God calls and the kind of people that he calls and the circumstances out of which he calls them and the things that he calls them to do are uh, vastly different from one another. So this is just to tell you that if God has called you or you sense you know, God is um, kind of moving in you. So uh, just because it is not like uh, the way he has called somebody else, that your story is not like anybody else's story, you should not doubt that whether God has called you or not. Uh, because just because it is not like somebody else doesn't mean that it is not God. God can call people out of many circumstances in many different ways. Anyway, so let's look at the story of Gideon. And once again, I'm going to go through the scriptures with you to read the whole story so that you, you, you understand what the Bible teaches. In, in the book of Judges, chapter 6, 1 to 16, verses 1 to 16, it says, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. So we saw that in the, in the, the last story we read about Samson, it was a similar situation that the children of Israel had sinned against the Lord. They were backslidden and they were in the hands of the Philistines. But now they're in the hands of the Midianites. And uh, and uh, when Samson came around, the children of Israel were, uh, were, you know, suffered under the Philistines for 40 years. But this time they suffered under, under the Midianites for seven years. And anyway, verse 2 uh, onwards, it describes this situation. It says, and the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel, and because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them dense, which are in the mountains and caves and in strongholds. So that means that they, the children of Israel suffered so much oppression under the Midianites they, that they hid in, they hid out uh, in caves and you know up in the mountains and all that. And so it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up and the Amalekites and the children of the east, even they came up against them. And they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth till they came unto Gaza. And they left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor ass. That means they, they took away their animals, took away their grain that the children of Israel would sow. The Midianites would come and just loot them, plunder, take everything away. And says, for they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came as grasshoppers for multitude. There were multitudes of them. For both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And so the people of, uh, of Israel, they cried out unto the Lord. And it came to pass. When the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent the prophet unto the children of Israel, which said unto them, Thus said the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up out of Egypt and brought you forth out of the house of bondage. 
and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all that oppressed you and drave them out from before you and gave you their land. And I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites in which in whose land ye dwell, but ye have not obeyed my voice. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak which was in Ophrah that pertained unto uh, Joash the Abizarite and his son Gideon thrashed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. So anyway, so you know it's interesting because it's talking about the calling of God upon Gideon, how God called out Gideon to deliver Israel. And I said to you in the beginning that uh, God calls men to fulfill his purposes, but there are also times when God calls men out he calls them because of the cries and the sufferings of other people. You know, there are people who are suffering under the hand of the devil. And when they cry out to the Lord, as a result, God can uh, can call a man out to be a deliverer. So when sick people cry out to God, God raises up somebody with a healing anointing just to give you an example so many times when somebody is called and raised up by God it is an answer to somebody else's cry to somebody else's prayer and we should never lose sight of that of the purpose why God called us there's always you know there's often something behind it which we don't understand at the time so what happened is that first God raised up this prophet and the prophet prophesied and then um, God, the, it says the angel of the Lord uh, came and sat under an oak, which was an Ophrah uh, that pertained to Joash the Abizarite, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from, Midian, from the Midianites. So as I said, the children of Israel were hidden away in caves and all that. Just, they, were, they were, you know, in fear of the Midianites because the Midianites would take everything. So... Uh, what happened was that here in the night you have Gideon. Gideon is actually threshing feet by uh, wheat by the wine press. Gideon was not threshing wheat. Uh, the threshing is the process in which they beat the grain out of the sheaves of wheat. They harvest the sheaves and they beat it on, on the ground to separate the uh, you know the grain from the uh, from the sheaves. But he was not doing it in the threshing place for wheat because he was afraid that the Midianites would see him doing that and they would take his wheat away. So what he did, he sneaked out to the wine press because it was obviously not seasoned for grapes. So he went there and was taking care of the job just because he was afraid of the Midianites. So this guy is stricken with fear and to hide his wheat from the Midianites, he was threshing out the wheat in in the wine press and then it says here he is so you can imagine he's a guy he's actually scared stiff doing this thing and the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him this is what the angel said the Lord is with thee thy, thou mighty man of valor listen <laughs> a mighty man of valor was the last thing that Gideon was at that time Gideon was in fear of the Midianites and he was threshing out his wheat in the wine press he was scared, he was terrified, but the Lord sent an angel and the angel spoke the word of the Lord. And often when God calls you, the angel, uh, you know, God will speak to you 
and call you not what you are at that time, but what he is going to make you. So God had decided he's going to take this kid who's a coward, who is afraid and turn him into a mighty man of valor. So the angel comes to him and says, the Lord is with you. He owe you mighty man of valor. And Gideon's answer was, oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why are we suffering like this? Where are the miracles of God? You know, he spoke unbelief and he says, why did the, the Lord brought us out of Egypt? And now he has forsaken us. And he immediately began to complain. So the angel of the Lord called him a mighty man of valor and said God was with him. Gideon immediately began to complain because that was the condition in which he was in. Everybody around him was like they were all living in fear. They had given up hope. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's easy for you to say the Lord is with us. But if the Lord is with us, how come all this is happening to us and all that? And, um, and the Lord looked on him and said, go in this thy might and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said to them, Oh, my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and you shall smite the Midianites as one man. So, uh, you know, God said, called him a mighty man of valor. He began to complain. And then the Lord said, Listen, you are going to do it. You're going to save Israel from the Midianites. And again, he complained. He said, How can I save uh, Israel from the Midianites. Look at my family. My family is the poorest in Manasseh. We are living in poverty. And not only that, I'm the least in my father's house. And then the Lord, but the Lord didn't give up on him. Lord says, surely I'm going to be with you. And you are going to smite the Midianites as one man. So, you know, when God calls you uh, sometimes and he, he tells you, uh, you know, some, sometimes let's put it this way. As I said, it's different in each case. And sometimes God calls a person and who, who is not really at that place that, that, that you certainly would not choose him to do this task. But the Lord believes in him. So the Lord calls that person and speaks to him and says, you're going to do this. And in the beginning, that person can be in unbelief because of his circumstances. But as the Lord continues to speak his word, so finally the man rises up and he finally begins to believe God and begins to do what God has called him to do. And in the end, you see the results. And many, many people started like that. They were in very, very, very bad circumstances when God called them and and, and and they obeyed the call of God. They ultimately did, even though they feared in the beginning and God used them. So, you know, there, there are many, many wonderful stories like that. Now, the next uh, man we are going to read about, um, you know, how God called is a man called Moses. Okay, so this is interesting because, uh, as you know, Moses grew up in uh, in uh, in the palace of the Pharaoh and he was, uh, you know, he, he was the he was the adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter. So he was like a grandson in the house. And he was um, I, actually they thought he would be the next Pharaoh because he was a favorite of the Pharaoh. But he didn't know that he was an Israelite and he found out he was an Israelite. Then he saw a, a slave, uh, one of the slave uh, drivers beating up an Israelite. He ended up killing the man and he had to escape for his life. And he you know, he left the palace of Egypt and then he ended up in the desert and he was 40 years of age. And uh, then he came to the desert and he served a man called Jethro watching his sheep. So 
And so here, you know, here's a man. He, he grew up as the prince of Egypt. He was the prince of Egypt. And so uh, he's 40 years old. And now he's at the prime of his life, 40 years old. He has lost everything. He is a refugee. He, you know, the Egyptians are after him to get him because he had killed one of them. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's being chased down as a fugitive from justice. And he comes to the desert somewhere where he can be safe and he's watching somebody else's sheep. So here is a man, he from being a prince, suddenly he's a shepherd for somebody else. And then in Exodus 3, I'm reading from Exodus 3, 1 to 14, and then Exodus 4, 1 to 17. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. So Moses actually married uh, the daughter of Jethro. He says he kept his flock. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked and behold, the bush burned with fire and the bush was not confirmed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight why the bush is not burnt. And when the angel saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him in the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. And he said, draw not nigh, uh, not nigh thy hither. Take off your shoes from your feet for the place wherein, whereon thou standest is holy ground. So God said, Moses, take your shoes off because where you're standing is, is, is holy ground. And so he um, says, moreover, he said, I'm the Lord, I'm the God of your father the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his faith, for he was a face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrow. For I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of, Egypt, of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land, and a large uh, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the, Hiv the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Now come therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, and you may bring forth my people, the children of Egypt, out of Egypt. And Moses said to the Lord, Who I am? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly. And the Lord said, Certainly I will be with you, and this shall be a token unto you that I have sent you. When you have brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto the Lord, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and said to them, The God of your father has sent me to you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, You shall say to the children, I am has sent me unto you. So here he is. He's a refugee. He has lost everything. He's in poverty. He's watching over another man's sheep as a shepherd from being a prince. Prince, he's now shepherd. He's 40 years old. And then God appears to him. And God says, take your, your shoes, Moses. You're standing on holy ground. And God speaks to Moses and says to Moses, Moses, you are going to deliver your people. You, I'm going to send you back to Egypt and you are going to deliver those people. And then he says, well, 
You know, when I stand before the people and I say to them that God has sent me to deliver you, what shall I say? If they ask me, what's the name of this God? And the Lord said, tell them that I am, that I am has sent you. My name is I am. Anyway, we go to Exodus 4. We, we can see the rest of the chapter in Exodus 3. And now we come to Exodus 4. And Moses answered and said, he said, but behold, they will not believe me nor listen to my voice. And they will say, the Lord has not appeared to you. And the Lord said unto him, what is that in your hand? Because Moses was holding his shepherd's staff, his rod. And Moses said, oh, it's my rod. And the Lord said, throw it to the ground. And Moses threw it on the ground. And the moment Moses threw the rod onto the ground, the rod turned into a serpent, into a snake. And Moses actually, it says he fled from before. He ran from that serpent. And the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and take it by the tail. And so Moses put out his hand and grabbed the snake by the tail. And the moment he, uh, he put his hand on that snake, the snake became a rod again. And then, he's, then God said, Moses had never seen anything like it. And then God said that they may believe, may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared unto you. And the Lord furthermore said to him, put now thine hand unto thy bosom. And he put his hand in the bosom. And when he took it out, his hand was leprous as snow. And then he said, put your hand on your bosom again. And he put this leprous hand with, with leprosy and he put it, uh, you know, into his bosom and he put it out of his bosom and behold, it was pink or the same color as his other flesh again. And then he says, it shall come to pass, if, shall not if, they, if they shall not believe thee and don't listen to the voice of the first sign, then they will believe the voice of the second sign. Okay, so it is interesting that... Uh, God, so here is Moses, the prince of Egypt, lost everything, fugitive. He comes here and, um, and, and minding his own business. You know, I, I don't know what thoughts went to his through his mind. Here he was, he was somebody, now he's a nobody, watching over another man's sheep. And then the Lord appears to him and the Lord speaks to him. And the Lord tells him, he says, Moses, I want you to go back and deliver the people. And Moses said, Lord, if I go there, I mean, who will believe me? And the Lord said, tell them I am sent you. He said, yeah, but, but you know, and they say, now you're a fraud. The Lord has not appeared to them. Uh, so, I mean, how will I prove to them that the Lord, it is the Lord who has actually spoken to me. That's when the Lord said, what's that in your hand? He says, that's my shepherd's staff, my rod. He said, put it down. He put it down and the staff turned into a snake and, and Moses got afraid. He ran from the snake and the Lord said, no, pick it up again. Grab it by the tail. And Moses reached down and grabbed the snake with the tail. And as soon as he did that, that rod turned into uh, a staff again. And you know, and that, that rod, that rod, when, whenever Moses, you know, I mean, Moses went with that rod, when he stretched out the rod, miracles happened. You know, all the seven plagues that came upon the, uh, upon the people of Egypt, that was when Moses stretched out that rod. And Moses, when he first went to uh, and stood before the new Pharaoh. And, you know, he said, God has sent me and told me to tell you, let my people go. 
and and Moses and and the and Pharaoh just laughed at Moses. He said, "What are you talking about? Who are you? Who sent you?" And Moses said, "I am has sent me." And he put that rod down, and the rod turned into a serpent, as it has done. And Pharaoh again laughed. He said, "Oh, my sorcerers, my magicians can do the same thing." And the magicians, there were several of them. He, he said to, and the magicians threw their rods down, and their rods also turned into snakes. But the snake of Moses swallowed up, ate up their snakes. And Moses picked up his rod, and so he was now the only one with the rod. And they didn't have their rods; their rods had been eaten up by Moses' rod. So uh, that rod, Moses went with them, and he stretched out his hand, and God did wonderful signs, wonders, and miracles whenever Moses stretched out that rod. So uh, it's it's interesting. Uh, it says, uh, verse 9, and it shall come to pass. This is the Lord speaking to Moses. If they will not believe these two signs, neither hearken unto your voice. And you shall take the water of the river and pour it upon dry land. And the water which you take it out of the river shall be become blood upon the dry land. And um, then Moses said to the Lord, after the Lord said, I will do these miracles. And he had this rod and everything. Then Moses, you know, it looks like Moses is making every excuse to get out of this situation. And Moses said to the Lord, but O Lord, I'm not eloquent. Rather, therefore, nor since you have spoken unto your servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue, of a slow tongue, which actually means that Moses used to stammer. Moses was a stutterer. I mean, nobody ever thinks of Moses as a stutterer, but that's what it means that he says, Lord, I am not a good speaker. I'm not eloquent and I stutter. And look what the Lord said to him. The Lord said, who has made man's mouth or who makes the dumb, the deaf or the seeing or the blind have not I, the Lord, he said, I created everybody, whether the stutter, they're blind or deaf or dumb. I'm the one who created all things. Now, therefore, go and I will be with thy mouth and teach you what to say. And he said, oh, my Lord, send I shall pray thee, by the hand of whom will you send? And so Moses, you know, asking all these questions. He said, Lord, I stutter. And, and, and when I stand before those people, I can't, I can't speak. And, uh, and, and you know, it is interesting. And look, look at this. And he's saying, but Lord, you know, who will speak for me? And the Lord said, um, this is what the Lord says. Said, the Lord got angry, verse 14. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses because Moses was asking all these questions to get out of the situation. And the Lord said, and he said, is not Aaron the Levite your brother? He pointed at his brother. He said, I know that he can speak well. And also behold, he comes forth to meet you. And when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. So he said that your brother Aaron from Egypt, he's actually coming and he's going to meet you and he's going to be happy to see him. And then you shall speak to him and put words in his mouth and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and teach you what you shall do. And then he says, and he shall be your spokesman unto the people and he shall be, even he shall be instead of a mouth and you shall be to him instead of God and you shall take this rod in your hand wherever uh, you shall do signs. So this is a most interesting uh, thing here because, you know, Moses had this stutter and uh, God did not heal that stutter. In fact, God instead, God said, I'm going to send your brother Aaron with you 
and he's going to be a spokesperson. Since you say you're not eloquent uh, of speech, what I'm going to do is that um, I'll put, you don't worry about what you have to say because I'm going to put my words in your mouth and you shall convey it for Aaron and then Aaron shall, Aaron shall speak. And you know, most people think of that and don't think of that, but that is what happened because when Moses went to Pharaoh, wherever he went, wherever he spoke to the people, he spoke through um, he spoke through Aaron. He because he stuttered so badly, he couldn't speak properly. So he spoke to Aaron, and Aaron acted as his mouthpiece. So when he said, "Let my people go," he said to Pharaoh. He actually said those words to Aaron, and Aaron was the one saying, "Moses is saying, let my people go." Now, why didn't God heal Moses? Honestly, I don't know. Now. Can you base a doctrine on that and say, well, sometimes God uh, wants to use people and he doesn't want to heal them? No, absolutely you cannot. You cannot base a doctrine on a thing like that because the Bible does say that surely the Lord Jesus has borne our diseases. He has carried our infirmities and pains and with his stripes we are healed. So the reality of what Christ did at the atonement still stands. But why was Moses still uh, um, stuttering and instead of healing him God sent him with somebody else to be his mouthpiece you know what listen I don't know okay so if I try to make up a uh, try to make up a reason and give it to you I would be speculating and it is always dangerous to speculate on the Bible and uh, because you end up teaching something that's not in the Bible and you end up in error so some people will say well God is sovereign and God does what he likes listen that is nonsense okay sometimes you see something in the Bible you don't understand and then you just be quiet and you say, Lord, I don't understand this, but this is what happened. But we know that our Lord Jesus bore our diseases, carried our pain. So, so if, you, if you are listening to this and you have a stutter, listen, do not base your faith for healing from your stutter on Moses. Don't do that. You can only base your faith for healing from, uh, from a stutter uh, upon Jesus. And by the way, instant, incidentally, I must tell you, I had a terrible stutter. I was a bad stutterer. And uh, and I remember when I got saved, I used to stutter, but I got healed. And how did I get healed? I didn't know anything about healing. I didn't I didn't I didn't ask God to heal me, but when I began to share Christ the very first time with somebody, when I began to preach the gospel, my stutter just disappeared. So, uh, it just happened. Now, why did it happen that way? Again, it's one of those things I don't understand. All I know is God called me to preach the gospel and I was preaching the gospel, sharing Christ with others. And as I was doing that, my stutter disappeared. In the case of Moses, his stutter didn't disappear. And again, why not? We don't know. We can only preach that which is in the Bible and all these other examples there are uh, you know, Moses is the only person this happened to. It didn't happen to anyone else in the Bible. So it's better you just take it, put it on a shelf and, and just forget about it. And when you're in heaven, we will understand all things. You'll get to, Mo to know Moses and you'll ask him, Moses, did you still stutter? Did God heal you or not? Because uh, evidently Aaron went with him and Aaron was his mouthpiece. So whenever Moses, now it could have been that later on, Aaron was healed of that stutter, but I don't know when that happened because, um, you know, you don't hear much in, in 
uh, in the latter days of Moses about Aaron being his his uh, his mouthpiece, but we do read about Aaron in another role as a high priest. And so I would like to think that Moses did get healed from his stutter. But when did that happen? I don't know. But the important thing here is not about his stutter or not. But the important thing is that God wanted that message out. So he said, Aaron will go with you and he will speak for you. And by the way, you have the rod in your hand. So now you have everything you need. You have this rod. Wherever you stretch out the rod, this rod, there's going to be signs, wonders and miracles. And wherever you go, I'm going to go with you and there'll be miracles. And by the way, when you open your mouth, I'm sending your brother Aaron with you and he's going to speak for you. And so here, this is a, 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 a wonderful story. And so, but if, if you look at the timeline, Aaron was 40 when he saw the burning, burning bush. And uh, so he started, he started, it was he was 40 when God spoke to him. And uh, and he lived to be 120 years. So uh, so you know at 40 he started. He spent 40 more years preparing, and he was actually 80 before he went in to Egypt, and then he brought the people out. So uh, you know there was a time span that elapsed. So when God calls you, there's also a time of preparation. Don't be in a rush. He knows the timing. He's going to send you out. He's going to use you. So tomorrow we are going to study the New Testament. We are going to start talking about how Jesus called Peter. And um, anyway, so let us stop here. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters who can hear my voice, that you would touch them and do a wonderful work in their lives. Use all of us, Father, mightily for your glory. Be, Lord Jesus, be glorified through us and let us bear much fruit so that you are honored in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, God bless you, my brothers and sisters. I'll see you again tomorrow.